Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, friends, thanks so much for listening to the podcast. And we want to make sure that you know about all the other exciting ways to get more exclusive content from The Bill Press Show. We're on Patreon. Did you know that? On Patreon. So to go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash BP show to get videos that nobody else gets. All we ask is five bucks a month and you get access to daily commentary. And every week we put up a special interview just for our Patreon subscribers. Hey, it's a great way to support progressive media and get your hands on some fun, new, exclusive content. Thanks so much for supporting the show by going to patreon.com slash BP show. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is the Bill Press Show live at youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show. And good morning. Uh, this is the Bill Press. So I'm not Bill Press. My name is Jason Dick. I'm the deputy editor at Roll Call, and I'll be subbing in for Bill today. Uh, we uh, we have a great show lined up for you today. I'll be talking to a couple of my colleagues from CQ Roll Call. Niels Lesniewski will join us a little bit later to Let, talk about the week and, let, the, and the agenda. Let's just tell the folks. Let's just tell the folks. They're not just here with you today. They're here with you today and tomorrow. Well, I was, I was, I, I were, 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 were you building up to that. Yeah, I was, I, I was building up to it, and I was also, you know, in case the show didn't go well today, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't want That's to give them a, an opportunity crap. to, to no, find no, something else. Be like, you know what? Maybe I'll just have a fifth cup of coffee instead of tuning into the Bill Press show. Maybe I'll uh, exercise or sleep in yeah, <laughs> or right. something like that. Right. Yes, I will be here Tuesday. Also, uh, we we have great shows uh, both days. Uh, a little bit later after Niels, we'll be talking to our uh, new Herd on the Hill team at Roll Call, Catherine Lyons and Clyde McGrady, who Clyde McGrady is a, is a frequent guest uh, now. Uh, he uh, can uh, hit at multiple positions. So he's a great utility player. Indeed. Uh, uh, for, uh, for us. And, uh, and we'll round up the day with Brandon Weatherby, our friend uh, from Brightest Young Things, uh, and, and a podcaster himself. Uh, you meet them, everybody. But first... <laughs> This is the Full Court Press. Yes, indeed. Just a couple of other stories making news. Uh, are you a Marvel guy? Do you watch the Marvel movies at all? I was going to get into that with Brandon a little bit. Yes, right. I, I, I am. Uh, so, I, I'm, yes. So you've seen Endgame? I have. So I, I'll just say this. Uh, the Russo brothers, the, the gentleman who directed Endgame. Not to they, be confused with the Lukowski brothers. Not to be, yeah, exactly. Brother, sister, or the Cohen brothers. Yeah, the Cohen brothers, yeah. Uh, so they said, by the way, today is the day that the spoiler ban is lifted. Oh. So if you want to talk about what happened in Endgame, you're now allowed to talk about it by the rules set by Marvel, which it appears as though no one is going to be right. uh, have anything spoiled because everybody is seeing this movie. Right, also. It but, tur- the, but the ban was real because if you did talk about it, 
you get the snap. Yeah, exactly. You get the snap. Well, how did it do in its second weekend at the box office? $11 billion is my estimate. so much money. Jason, it has made so much money. Over the weekend, it made another $145.8 million domestically and $282.2 million overseas. So this now puts its total gross at $2.18 billion. It has been in theaters for just over a week, and it is now the second highest grossing movie of all time. Next to Gone with the Wind? or Number one is still Avatar. Avatar. Avatar okay. is still the highest grossing movie in, in, of all at, time. in constant dollars? I always get confused by that. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 I thought it was Gone with the Wind. Gone with the Wind, I think yeah. you're right in yeah. terms of inflation. but Because like, there were like five theaters. Right, the yeah, yeah ex- so. ex- exactly. Uh, so... This, these are unadjusted for okay. inflation. Unadjusted, okay. Unadjusted. So after, so blue people uh, versus purple people. <laughs> yes, exactly. you know, that's what it comes down <laughs> to. Purple and green people, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but it's still making a ton of money. I think now it's just a matter of time before it becomes the highest grossing movie of mm-hmm. all time. Just this week alone, it leapfrogged over Infinity Wars, Star Wars, all these other All movies. kinds of wars. Yeah, all kinds of wars. All the wars were defeated uh, by the Avengers at the box office. So it's... Kind of crazy, man. Crazy. Did you see? You saw it, game? Yeah, I did. I saw it at, uh, over at Potomac Yards, uh, yeah. across the river, um, last Sunday. Yeah. So it's one I've of just been champing at the bit to yeah, talk right. about it. Let's spoil everybody's fun. Today's the day we can talk <laughs> about it. Uh, so Donald Trump is going to be having the White Sox, or excuse me, the White Sox, the Red Sox Red here Sox. at the White House, right, uh, to celebrate their World Series win. That'd be interesting if it was the White Sox at the Red House. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, that's happening this Thursday. It turns out that uh, the uh, manager of the Boston Red Sox, Alex Cora, he said yesterday he will not be accompanying his team to the White House to celebrate the World Series win. Why wouldn't he? Well, he says it's because of the terrible response to Puerto Rico and the fact that they have not recovered from Hurricane Maria in 2017. And Alex Cora is... From Puerto Rico. He's Puerto he is Rican. from Puerto Rico. Yeah, yeah he, is a, he is Puerto Rican. So he's not going to be here with his team. So no McDonald's for him. This is the Bill Press Show. We are back. Uh, I actually want to go right into uh, just a, a quick thing about uh, Endgame, uh, Peter, because uh, when I when I came in, uh, you know, we were also with with McKenna talking about Game of Thrones, and I feel like they're they're sort of uh, in in the in a related universe, right, in terms of how much they affect pe- popular culture, how much money they make. Uh, uh, in in I mean, it's it's not a People aren't paying tickets to say to see Game of Thrones. Sure. But they're certainly subscribing on HBO. But I mean, these things are uh, take hold of popular culture in a way that is. Um, I mean, it, it's it's pretty dominant. Yeah. And and uh, and I think that you know with with Avengers Endgame, it is almost this. It is almost the same as Game of Thrones in that if you if you were to watch this movie out of the blue. Um, you probably wouldn't know what was going on. Exactly. <laughs> because exactly. it's a culmination of 22 movies. Yeah, um, I mean, uh, look, I, I understand why people don't like what Marvel has done mm-hmm. uh, to movies, uh, but you have to say it is an absolutely impressive feat that over 11 years they built this arc, right. they built this story Start, arc. Starting with Iron Man. Which and, is and, something that yeah. no 
movie franchise or studio has has ever done. You know, I mean, Star Wars. I think you could say, okay, they they sort of have this canon and they right. they work around it and they've done done that. Uh, but to actually weave one common thread and one story that builds up to this exact moment is really impressive. It it is, and and it's also. I I wonder if I mean the, I mean as as you may know, I I uh, I, I live part of the time. I have a part time half time step, stepson, uh, and uh, he's sixteen. Uh, he's he's been really into the Marvel universe. Uh, his him watching movies got off to a very rough start. The very first movie that his mother and I took him to uh, was The Green Hornet. Oh, uh, no. Yeah, I know. Oh. It, it, it could have ruined him forever. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it was uh, tragic. I, I, I was, it was one of the – that's one of those movies where you're just kind of like – Yeah. Uh, what, what, it, was, it is objectively a bad movie. Like, bad, bad. <laughs> like a bad yeah. movie, like hard to watch, even if you like – you know, if, if you're a big Seth Rogen fan, whatever. I mean, like – it's a terrible movie. Yeah, uh, but he uh, got back on the horse, and you know, <laughs> and I mean, and he is he's seen every one of the of the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies, uh, some of them multiple times, and he's really into it. And but I I find I mean I, I grew up reading the comic books. Uh, Same. Uh, you know, the I, I I was I I think I started with like Superman and Batman in the DC universe before reading more of the Marvel stuff, particularly Spider Man, Fantastic Four, and and Iron Man especially. So this is like not you know alien to me, and I I, I have to admit I got a little um, I got a little turned around a couple times <laughs> with what what was happening in the storylines, and if so somebody like me who's been like familiar with the topic and the in these things for forty years is getting confused. I mean it, it just it, to me it's it's a I'm uh, when Brandon gets here because he had some interesting uh, views on his uh, latest podcast. Uh, that he was sharing about Thanos and about some of the the narrative arc. I'm I'm looking forward to it. And I'm very much looking yeah. forward to it. I, I also just wonder if some of this is just like it, it's almost impossible to hear people talk about how much they enjoyed it without mentioning how much money it's making. I mean, it's, it's like it's part of it. It's it's like we're we're we 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 go see it because we have to go see it, and yeah. you know because we we don't want to be not a part of a cultural phenomena but it also becomes a self-fulfilling one you know it, it's and i think it's i don't know I, i'm i'm a little uncomfortable with it like yeah, it, you know i mean it, the the, it's the dominance in our our psyche i I, th- I think last week after opening weekend it had such a dominant opening weekend uh i, I think the number that i saw was that marvel studios has made something like 11 billion dollars yeah. off of these movies yeah. i mean just let that sink in for just a second Eleven b- b- billion dollars. Yeah. It's insane. And and, and that not, was before. Right. I mean, that was after opening weekend of Endgame. Right. It's only. I mean, it's grown obviously since right. then. So yeah. It, so we'll 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 table that for uh, for for the Deal. moment. Yeah. yeah. Um, before we get off the topic of movies entirely, though, um, I, I do want to say that I had uh, the distinct pleasure this weekend of of, of doing something you d- you don't get that many opportunities to do. Which is to introduce somebody who's never seen it to Caddyshack. No way. Yes. <laughs> yes. No way. Yes. So uh, Fawn, my my lovely wife, uh, who has uh, also been on the show uh, in in previous times, uh, she's um, she's wonderful, and uh, we we uh, we watch a lot of movies together. We do a lot of uh, you know we're we're a good. Uh, couple, we we get along. We do a lot of the same things. She had never seen Caddyshack. She never <laughs> seen Caddyshack, <laughs> and 
and and she's the same age, you know. Like I mean, she's a she's a Gen Xer, you know. So uh, the uh, and 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 so we're you know we're up in uh, um, Frederick over over the weekend, and there are a lot of we're, she was running a race, I was running a race. She did, she ran two races up there. I ran only one, the five k. <laughs> she also ran the half marathon the next day yesterday, and you know Frederick is it has this cool like town, you know. I mean they they've got good food. They've got a great record store, the Record Exchange, which has a satellite in Silver Spring. Uh, I, I mean, they they sort of adapted the old Cramps uh, album cover. Uh, instead of bad music for bad people, it's it's rad music for rad people. Um, Excellent. And, and so we, you know, and then we, there's a there's a Wonder Books up there, which is this this colossally cluttered, awesome used bookstore and music store, and also they still rent videos. Uh, and so you know, it's just this like place we just go up there and hang out, and you know, over the weekend. And we were talking about it because I, I was I was talking about Bill Murray for some reason, um, and uh, and and Bill Murray and golf and something like that. And and she said, you know, I I think I think we should buy a copy of. I know we can stream it. Uh, I think we should buy a copy <laughs> because it was right there in the record exchange for like four dollars. Yeah, right, like right, that right. On, a, on Blu-ray, I, I support. Uh, that. Yeah, and, and she's like, uh, we should we should go home and watch this. And I'm like. Yes! Hell yeah! <laughs> Hell yeah! And what I love about that movie, too, is that it's... Um, I don't know if it could be made now. No. I mean, the, totally. like, the, with with the... Um, just the way that it approaches life. I mean, certainly we have, like, funny, good movies. I'm not saying that. I mean, like, there, there are good movies, there are good books, everything, you know, like, culture marches on, right? But, like, the way that it... Like, where people were in their careers... You know Chevy Chase and and Bill Murray in particular, uh, like just coming off of the the Saturday. Actually, I think Murray was still on Saturday Night Live at that he was. point. Uh, yeah, Ch- Chase had left before, but the, you know famously did not get along. Hated each other. In <laughs> fact, Murray has one of the greatest put downs ever. This medium talent. Medium talent <laughs> is how he described Chevy Chase. They got in a huge fight, and it ended with Bill Murray screaming at him, "Medium talent,", medium talent. which I think is just the. <laughs> Best put down. <laughs> it could apply to a lot of people in uh, the administration. Absolutely, uh, right <laughs> absolutely. Um, but yeah, it, the I mean, the whole. I feel like the, the it was almost a given that you were rooting for basically poor people. You know, in in this movie, you know, people who are caddies, people who might not even get to go to college. I mean, there was just the, the 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 whole orientation of it. I mean, snobs versus slobs. That's the that's the tagline, right? I mean, the, the, that um, somewhere after that movie in the mid '80s or something like that, I feel like the pop culture in general started orienting itself towards the overdogs. Like we we went from rooting for people like Danny Noonan, you know, the caddy. Uh, who's sort of? I mean, he he is the protagonist, but let's be honest. I mean, this is like Bill Murray and Rodney Dangerfield, sure, and Jim yes. Chase's, you know, and Ted Knight's movie. Um, but we we go from shout out Ted Knight, absolutely, Ted, uh, such a great actor. Uh, you know, don't sell yourself short, uh, Judge. You're a tremendous slouch. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm no slouch myself. Man. You're a tremendous slouch. <laughs> Um, you know, there's just not a wasted second in the movie, and also it just it does it satirizes, it satirizes you know high you know high society you know kind of philistine like high society a, bit, a bunch of you know guys who are who think that they're better than everybody else and raises up the the people who are the working class in it. I, and I, I think that's such a great observation, and you know there are a lot of comedies of that era 
that definitely do not hold up for a lot of different reasons. Misogyny is a big is a big one, right. uh, but. You know, there are obviously there's some problematic humor in Caddyshack, mm-hmm. uh, but the overall message that you're talking about, it's been a while since a movie like that was made. Yeah, and I'm trying to think of, you know, I'm I'm trying not to be that like old people be hating. Yeah, of like they don't make movies like this anymore. Right, but they really don't. Right, I can't think of anything that could compare to that. It's it is uh it, it it it's a tough one. I mean, and, and part of it too is that it's. I mean, we're talking about maybe one of the more influential movies <laughs> that, that that was made in the last fifty years or so, and particularly in terms of its you know like front of you know lobe type of you know place in a lot of people's heads. I mean, the, I mean in in for for people like you know me and you, I don't know, we probably saw this movie a combined total of like a thousand yeah, times but, in college, yeah, right? Yeah, it was yeah. always playing. It was either that or Magnum PI was playing at all points, <laughs> like during the day, somewhere in yes. somebody's room, yeah, you know, a dorm room or apartment in in college. Which you know may say like this is a almost like a maybe it is a class thing because I just said like in college. <laughs> well, sure, um, but, but here's the, here's my here's my 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 question: Did Fawn like it? Oh God, she just loved it. Okay, she could excellent. not believe, like that she hadn't seen it. Okay, cool. I, actually, she she did. She could because, uh, you know, she grew, she grew up like me in the West. Um, Represent McKenna, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Arizona. <laughs> uh, she did not grow up in Arizona. She grew up in uh, in Utah and Colorado. But she also grew up Mormon. Uh, and you know there are yes, uh, Fawn. I did not know yeah, that. yeah, Fawn was raised a Mormon. She was not born into the Mormon Church, but her mother converted. And once Fawn, you know, sort of started to develop her own ideas about life and the universe and and so forth, uh, she she you know left the church. I think it was in college sometime for her. Um, but she yeah that that movie was probably not playing in Provo, Utah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and uh, you know, there, and there, it, it's easy to see why you know a conservative, you know, somebody you know, like you know, growing up in a culturally conservative place would probably not see Caddyshack. Yeah, that's uh, fair. But but I I don't know why she hadn't she didn't see it at Bates College, <laughs> where, where she went to school. <laughs> uh, after after that, I mean, it, it it's uh, it, I don't know. So and enough enough said about that, as Stan Lee would say. Uh, but I thought it was just this moment that that uh, you know it's like if if you get a chance to introduce somebody to Caddyshack, uh, they will never be the same. They'll never think about Gophers the same. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. I, now I need. I feel like I need to find somebody who hasn't seen it and have the same experience. I when, well, when do, your sons? My sons. Uh, so uh, one of them is fourteen. So mm-hmm. he's age appropriate right. for it. Uh, my 11-year-old could probably he'd probably be into it. I think I was probably around 12 or so when I saw it the yeah. first time. That sounds right. A worn-out, you know, VHS or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Or Betamax. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> on TBS. One of those, like, you know, afternoons where they're just showing Blues Brothers and Caddyshack back to back to back. Every single SNL person. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, no, I, I, I was, uh, I, I was, it, it is one of those moments and I, and I wonder like, okay, what, what are, what are, is, is Oliver, my stepson in 30 years, is he, what, what's he going to be talking about in this, you know, in, in whatever, you know, sort of analogous situation would be for him? Uh, because one thing I noticed about like Avengers Endgame in particular is that they're, 
I mean, there wasn't any any there were no moments in it where I was like I just thought, oh, this was just a moment of like pure joy. Um, I mean, I, I appreciated it from a craftsmanship sure. perspective, but you know, I mean, we were laughing, we were talking about some of these issues about like class. Uh, I mean, the, it it was just, just you know, there, there 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 wasn't as much of that. I mean, there's there's not as much subtext either. I mean, certainly, right? Of, yeah, I mean, like <laughs> Doug Kenny, I think was dead. You know, he was the the producer and and the founder of National Lampoon, who was so instrumental in bringing Caddyshack to the yeah uh, the screen. I mean, he he died, I think, shortly after, like fairly shortly after, and you know, everybody was everybody was high <laughs> like right. on, on set, probably. Yeah. Um. You know, I mean, the, the on on the Avengers, I mean, they're probably. Like after the after filming, they probably all go to like Orange Theory or something like yeah, that. Right? Right. I mean, they're all in ridiculously good shape. I mean, Robert Downey Jr. has been sober for twelve, fifteen years now. Yeah. You know, or probably long, actually longer than that. I, think I mean, so. so I mean, it's not the you know, it's not again. We're we're in a different place culturally too. Uh, but yeah, I, the, yeah. I, uh, I I I'm and I'm waiting. Um, I I'm getting the feeling too that like one of the. Um, <laughs> This is this is going to sound like a very strange transition. I'm into it. <laughs> Let's just do it. I have not I to my knowledge the president has never mentioned or tweeted anything about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um no, I don't think so. I mean, he was, you know, he was like uh, you know, he has his opinions about the Kentucky Derby now. <laughs> uh Kentucky with no C. <laughs> yeah. Uh <laughs> Kentucky, Kentucky. <laughs> um, oh which I'm sure you know we'll hear. I mean, I would be surprised if at some point Mitch McConnell, the majority leader of the Senate, doesn't weigh in on this. He's from Kentucky. Uh, he goes to the Derby every year, not the infield, uh, but the, but the Derby. Uh, how much would you pay to see Mitch McConnell in the infield? So, uh, <laughs> so much money. Uh, but you know, it, it's interesting. I mean, I wonder if there is a. A bit of a, a generational divide there too. I mean, because again, the president is—he's into sports. Um, he's, he's into—I mean, he—he—he's a creature of our culture, uh, as Brandon will tell you. Uh, you know, he's—he's he's a wrestler. I mean, he—he he gets it. Never, never talked about. But you know about it. He—he he has a teenage son. Yeah. I don't think, and my impression is that he's not a super hands-on parent. <laughs> Really? <laughs> he seems very handsy with Ivanka. Yeah, he's very handsy with some of his kids. Uh and gets very hands on. I don't think he spends a lot of time with his son, Baron. Uh but you would you would presume that Baron is is into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. He's prime age. Right. And uh, and there is this whole thing of the Game of Thrones imagery that the president uses. Yeah, that's right. That's uh, right. You know, with about sanctions or the Mueller report or whatever. I mean, like the most recent one after the Mueller report came on was like Game uh, Over. Game Over. Um, and and I loved HBO's you know response. It's like, uh, while we appreciate the enthusiasm yeah, yeah, with yeah. which people embrace Game of Thrones, please stop using our intellectual property. You it's know, copyright, for, right. bro. <laughs> um, and who runs the copyright office? You know, he's like. <laughs> Um, but you know, so, so again, he gets it. I mean, he gets the, the, the power of imagery. He gets the power. I mean, that's why he used Game of Thrones in that, or somebody in his office used Game of Thrones. I can't imagine that Stephen Miller is sitting there, you know, kind of watching, you know, binge watching, uh, Ga uh Game of Thrones and so forth. But yeah, not a nary, um, a mention of, of Avengers at any point, as far as I can tell.
don't know. Now, here's a question. Uh, Listeners, th- if we're wrong, please tell please us. Please let us know. Yeah, please uh, let us at know. At BP Show yeah. on Twitter. Do you think Donald Trump has ever seen Caddyshack? I He's mean, a big golfer. He is. And and this is the golf movie, right? It, it, yeah, I mean, without a doubt. Like, I mean, well, I mean, I don't know. He, he doesn't seem like a legend of Bagger Vance type guy. Yeah. Uh, maybe know. he's a tin cup guy. <laughs> he's maybe, maybe he is. Uh, I, don't, I mean, uh, I mean, I would think he has. I mean, he doesn't read a lot. You right. know, I mean, he's too busy writing his own books. Right? Yeah, of course. Um, I, but I mean, how could you not? I mean, like he owns golf clubs, yeah. <laughs> like or golf resorts. Um, he, I just, I can't imagine that he doesn't. But again, you talk about the whole class, right? Story, yeah. storyline inside Caddyshack. I think maybe he likes it for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> Well, but and, and in, in also in a weird twist too. He's rooting for the wrong people. Maybe he is, but like he, you could almost make the argument that he's more Cernic, like Rodney Dangerfield's character. Rodney Dangerfield is is nouveau riche. He's a developer. That's he's building condos, like and shopping centers, yeah. like right there. He he is you know he offends the established order you know of of. Of Ted Knight and and uh, you know the the clergy and the doctor. I mean, like all the people who are supposed to be there. He's not supposed to That's be there. That's a really he's, good point. He's Catholic and he's gauche, you know, yeah. um, and he and he's quick witted. Um, you know, th- this is I it. it <sighs> Yeah, you know, no, like, that's a I, really I mean, good point. It, it's it's a little weird because we root for Dangerfield, right? Because he's funny, uh, and 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 he helps uh, you know turn the tables on on the snobs. It, it is, but it, at the same time, yeah. we wouldn't want Dangerfield to be president of the United States. <laughs> well, <laughs> given the, uh, I mean, like we're, we're going to have like an, you know, we, we, there's a good possibility we might have an old man fight, you know, for yeah. uh, between uh, Trump and and uh, and Biden or Bernie or you know. <laughs> Uh, you know, somebody who is collecting Medicare and Social Security at this point. Um, I mean, I, who who knows? I mean, what? Uh, twenty one candidates, right? Uh, I think it's twenty two. <laughs> it's twenty two. And also, let's not forget that this week, the Daily Beast was reporting that Bill De Blasio is getting in. Oh, good, great! Come on in. The water yeah. is fine. I mean, like, I mean, what else do these folks have to do? Throw I guess? him onto the top like, of uh, the pile of white beef that have uh, gotten into the race at the very end, right? Whether it's <laughs> Swalwell, Moulton, Hickenlooper, uh, De Blasio, uh, 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 Bennett. <laughs> oh, that's right. He's running too. Bennett got in. in between surgeries on his prostate. Yeah, you know, I mean, my God. It's like, uh, hold on a second. I yeah. got to, I got to take care of this incredibly sensitive area in my body. Uh, yeah. but I'll, you know, I'll, 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 be I'll, I'll, I'll be fine. I'll get right back into it. Right back into it and run, run for president. Uh, I mean, again, I, I don't, I don't know how to um, say. You know, some somebody shouldn't run for president. I mean, like you don't want to be kingmakers. This seems to me healthy, but it is almost too healthy. You know, I mean, <laughs> I have a feeling that they're going to start peeling off mm-hmm. pretty quickly. Yeah. Uh, what do you think is going to be the demarcation point? The Iowa State Fair. <laughs> be like, I, I cannot eat fried pork chops for the right. next year and a half. There's no way. Right. I can't do this. I, you know, it's 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 really interesting to because I think of Scott Walker. Right. Who? Who? who, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Who Democrats feared as a presidential candidate for a long time. Right. And he got into the race and he landed with a whisper. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't. I mean, I was going to say it's not a thud, but I mean, it's it's I mean, he receded quick. He receded quicker than his his own head, you know, his own hairline. I I think it's just like 
he was done. I think he know? made it to like he did not make it to Iowa to the caucuses. Only one debate. Yeah, I think he only did the one debate. Right, and you know he was gone. And yeah. it's just it's it it's always fascinating to me, even though we know this to be very true, uh, just how quickly politics move. Right. Because Scott Walker was, I, I think, for a lot of Democrats anyway, and a lot of Republicans as well, was the presumed candidate in yeah. 2016 in, like, 2014. Right. And by the summer— Because he kept winning. He kept, yeah. kept beating them. And then, like, know? by the summer of 2015, he was out. Yeah. He was gone. Yeah. It was it, and it. it I, I mean, I've always wondered what happened there. I mean, because it was just such a— it was so sudden, and he seemed to be. I mean, you know, he was good with the Koch brothers. Yep. Um, you know, he had won. Money was it, was it three or four elections in 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 statewide elections? I think the I think the recall one was the fourth. Yeah, I it, think. Well, it was. Or excuse me, the the recall was the third, third. and they won another one. Right, and they, yeah. So I mean, so you know, obviously battle tested, but like. I mean, I don't know. I mean, they, they, they see more information than we do. Yeah. You know, they, they, they see polling numbers that we don't. Yeah. Selling um, your ideas on a national platform is uh, is not easy, apparently. No. And I think a lot of these guys, and I say guys because I think it's all white guys who are going to be the first ones to get out. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I can't imagine Seth Moulton getting the traction that, say, uh, Kamala Harris has gotten mm-hmm. or – you know who out there is is saying, okay, well, we have twenty one candidates. You know what we really need? We need Bill De Blasio to get in, right? Right. Who is not super liked in the city that he runs, much right. less on a national level. Right. Yeah. Uh, I just I, I can't imagine that that's going to be uh, that he's going to be someone who breaks through. Well, and also, I mean, I, I could I, be wrong. No, I, and I feel like the the. Possibly some of these folks are are thinking like, oh well, anything can happen. Look at Trump. Look at like you know, there, there's a there's a great Netflix documentary uh, uh, called Knock Down the House. I haven't uh, watched it yet. It's it's good. It's good. I, I uh, for my podcast last week, I talked to the uh, director Rachel Lear and uh, and one of the women who she profiled, uh, Amy Villella uh, uh, in Nevada. She she did not win her primary, but she she profiles four. Uh, women running in Democratic primaries, and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is obviously the headliner. She she won. She beat Joe Crowley in, in New York and then went on to win the general election. But I think that that has possibly given some people some, you know, some added, like, sort of motivation, like, well, you know, look at look at this stuff that keeps happening. Uh, but it it's also... I don't know. I mean, like this stuff is incredibly hard, right? Yeah. You know, like I mean, it's not easy to run for president. It's not easy to run the country. All you have to do is see, you know, how presidents perform, including this one. That it's an incredibly difficult job. It's very complex. And I, I, I but at the same time, right? I think that you look at presidents who have served two terms, and you look at them at the beginning of their term, and you look at the end of the term, right? And they look like hell. Yes, it a, the presidency ages you, and yeah. yet I think Donald Trump is going to leave the presidency looking better than he did when he got in because he just doesn't devote that headspace right. that a lot of presidents devote to the job. I think it just really grinds you down. I mean, you you carry the weight of an entire nation on your shoulders for eight grueling <laughs> years, and I don't think Donald Trump feels that pressure at all. Doesn't seem like it. At all. 
Speaking of that, uh, we're going to bring Niels Lesniewski in after a short break and talk about what the president is up to this week, uh, as well as other things in Congress. We will be right back with Niels Lesniewski. This is the Bill Press Show. We are back uh, here on the Bill Press Show. As promised, uh, my colleague at Roll Call, Niels Lesniewski, our senior writer uh, who knows a thing or two about the Senate, but also just about uh, everywhere else in Washington, is joining us here. Niels, welcome to the show. Uh, it's good to be back. So one thing uh, before we get into the, the week, uh, kind of the week ahead, what we can expect to see in Washington, uh, everything from uh, you know potential stuff on a China trade deal to the Red Sox, uh, I, the, this release, let's talk a little bit about this release that the White House sent out last night. Um, it was uh, a statement, it, you know, it came out about, you know, a little, about 8.30 last night. Uh, I mean, I guess everybody was, you know, it was, it was, it was the time to send it because everybody's getting ready for Game of Thrones, right, uh, Peter? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, just, just in case everybody wasn't freaked out enough, of, you know, of, of, <laughs> about mass killings and battles. Yeah, everybody's already on uh, edge. So the, the White House sends out this, uh, this statement, uh, statement from the National Security Advisor, Ambassador John Bolton. You always got to put that ambassador thing in there, you know, even though it wasn't, he was never confirmed, you know, like it's, 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 great. Like, it's, like, it's great. like people saying like, I've got a PhD. I mean, it's yeah. all, all but dissertation. I'm a PhD. Uh, uh, in response to a number of troubling and escalatory indications and warnings, the United States is deploying the USS Abraham Lincoln Carrier Strike Group and a bomber task force to the U.S. Central Command region to send a clear and unmistakable message to the Iranian regime that any attack on United States interests or on those of our allies will be met with unrelenting force. The United States is not seeking war with the Iranian region, but we are regime, but we are fully prepared to respond to any attack, whether by proxy, the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps, or regular Iranian forces. At which point, I thought, what? I mean, what? I mean, this. I I don't even remember hearing about anything. I mean, every once in a while, you know, like one of. There's some sort of like uh, they play chicken, you know, in the Gulf of Hormuz or whatever, you know, or, you know, <laughs> uh, with the, you know, like the uh, the Navy and, and somebody, something like that happens. But this is like, you know, I, I thought, OK, they're just deploying the Lincoln. Wait, to Central Command. I get I get Venezuela. I get North Korea because they launched some not, not missiles over the weekend. But like Iran, do, do we know what happened? Uh, I certainly I certainly don't. And that was my first instinct, too, was I. Because of the way the subject lines on those emails are, uh, when they send out those statements, I assumed it was either going to be an announcement about Venezuela or North Korea. But instead, it's a, it's Iran, and so we're left just wondering what, if anything, uh, is actually going on there. There was some reporting last night that this may have just been a normal movement of an aircraft carrier. Hmm. Uh, well, it's not just an aircraft carrier. I mean, it's like the whole group. I mean, this is yeah. like a lot of hardware. <laughs> like being, this is a lot of boats. You know, like uh, heading and a bomber task force just just in case, just in case for some <laughs> unknown uh, reason. And in the event of attacks on our allies uh, as well, which I'm going to assume is Israel mm-hmm. in that region. Mm-hmm. But you know, I don't know what may have. Uh, crossed, but it's it's it seems highly unusual for such a statement to be right. put out. Number one, but number two, the fact that there was just no other context right. for it that they was not there was no. Uh, sometimes uh, the White House press corps will get summoned to a background briefing or right. some sort of 
There'll be a phone call where they'll try and explain what they're actually doing. As best as I can tell, there was none of that last night. So there was nothing sort of setting this action up uh, with the press corps, at least. Well, and and I I wonder every once in a while, you know, with I mean, Bolton has, you know, he has been among the more aggressive uh, national security advisors. Uh, he, I mean, one of the reasons that that George W. Bush and a lot of the hawks in his administration liked Bolton at the UN, where he was uh, an, uh, the the ambassador uh, for for a while, uh, is, is he was so hawkish and he was so take no BS from anybody. Uh, but I wonder if this is just like well. You know, the old man's kind of occupied. I'm just, I'm just gonna get. I'm just gonna get ready. You know, like uh, just in case. You know, and, and and you know, and granted, I mean, we're we we may be in danger of of just sort of minimizing a right. lot of stuff that just would seem insane for anybody else. I mean, if if any if any other situation, you know, we saw like we're deploying, we're just randomly going to deploy an entire you know aircraft carrier strike group to Iran or or somewhere, we'd be like, what? You know, what what? And and this is just like eh, it's Sunday night. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, but me, and meantime, I mean the the you know North Korea is lobbying these short short range missiles, <laughs> um, and and the president's like, you know Kim Jong Un knows that I'm with him. <laughs> and then Venezuela, we have like a failed you know another fa- another failed coup. I mean like this is becoming a running almost like a running joke. Like a failed coup in Venezuela is kind of like our infrastructure week, right? It's just like it just happens all the time, you know. <laughs> like, yes, <laughs> and 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 uh, there was the call between uh, uh, President Putin, uh, oh, our yes. good friend President Putin and yes. President Trump uh and in which according to the Kremlin's readout apparently which we get now before the White House readouts. Yeah. This is true. Uh, the Kremlin's uh, description of the call uh, basically said uh, that, that that President Putin doesn't think that there should be meddling in the waters of Venezuela. Of course not. I mean, why 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 should he? I mean, like I I love. I mean, the people talk about what an expert troll Trump is, but I think that he's a piker compared to Putin because this this is like. This is the par excellence, you know, like that. The, this 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 guy is just saying. I mean, it, it is this amazing, you know, um, like oh yeah yeah. We don't. Uh, I mean, we don't think there should be internal, uh, you know, you know, like affairs meddling. Meanwhile, like what are we talking about? We're talking about Russian interference in our own elections, uh, and of course, you know, the the Russians are in Venezuela, as Mario Diaz Balart uh, freaked us all out last week by saying he thought that there might be nukes, and then kind of clarified that no, I didn't mean nuclear weapons. I meant just the Russians. I mean, it, like everything is just sort of. I mean, it it underscores the sort of instability. I mean, of covering the White House, if nothing else. I mean, it's, it, I don't know. So what else do we have going on? I mean, like, I mean, not, not to turn you into the White House correspondent, but it affects everything that we it, do it and does. cover it in Congress. Well, there's, there's a fairly busy week this week. There is. The other, uh, I know you talked about the, the, the Red Sox already. We may get back to that. But the other one, uh, which sort of came out over the weekend in the, so for for those of you who are not in uh, Washington, it was kind of rainy and gross on Sunday. Just to say the least, yes. Which means yeah. it's not good golfing weather. Right. Which means the President of the United States spends the entire day sending out tweets. Correct. Which is a bizarre reality that we all have to be aware of now, apparently. Uh, but one of the things that we learned uh, on Sunday was that the, the President... 
uh, announced that on Friday he's going to impose 25% tariffs on a whole bunch of uh, new categories of Chinese products or right. boost existing 10% tariffs up to 25%, uh, which is complicating uh, the fact that they were trying to get a trade deal uh, by this Friday. There's some talk that, and I don't know if it's happened yet or not, but there is some talk that the Chinese officials may cancel a visit. Uh, and so the question now is, it seemed like this was the sort of stick to go along with the carrot, mm-hmm. but it isn't clear if the president may have jumped the gun so much that the that the Chinese say, no, we're not interested. All by, so by the way, if you looked at the Dow futures uh, last night and this morning, uh, this is not going to be one of the days that the Republican National Committee is going to be tweeting about the stock market. All right, yeah, how the, the strength of the economy. And I guess, I guess that it, it almost gets into like, well, all right, we know we saw this series of, of, you know, news stories about like the economy, especially after the jobs report came out on Friday, saying the unemployment rate is 3.6%. Like, and and people were, you know, like saying like, have we missed something? Because the economy is so good. I mean, it usually doesn't, it's not this good this long. Um, and and it's almost, I mean, again, like sort of a conspiracy theory person would be like, well, this is Trump basically saying, I'm going to bring it down. Like, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do everything I can to screw things up. I'm going to, like, uh, you know, like basically send, you know, like let my national security advisor threaten war inexplicably. Right. Uh, I, I'm, uh, I'm going to continue to stoke, you know, the sort of instability in Venezuela. I'm going to keep talking to Putin for an hour and a half, uh, you know, before, like, we're even done digesting the Bill, you know, Bill Barr's testimony. Uh, and and now I'm just going to like raise the tariffs from 10 percent to 25 percent on a variety of goods that I mean, let's, let's be honest, like a lot of this stuff is uh, probably disproportionately affects like Republican like places. I mean, like the I mean, the, the, a lot of the Chinese goods, a lot of these things go to like retail for regular people. Right. I mean, at Walmart and stuff like that. Right. And and and, you know, this is a separate basket of, of tariffs but you know the recent reporting that the that there's been you know basically you're paying hundred at least a hundred dollars if not more or more when you buy a washer dryer mm-hmm. uh combination package because of tariffs that have been imposed i happen you, you to sound, you sound like you may uh, have uh, some experience in this Neil, well, so recently I, <laughs> I didn't which was I apparently just beat the tariffs last year. Okay, last year, I, okay. and so it, I didn't realize. But I didn't even realize. And this goes to the, this goes to the argument about how the international supply chain is done. Mm-hmm. I have a Mexican washer and dryer from a South Korean company. Wow, and and you and you got and. I, I, when was it? it was last summer, right? You got these installed. Yes, Is that right. Yes, and so it was. It was right after the impo- tariffs were imposed, but before they made it into the. That's into about the right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I had to. I had to have repairs done and all that sort of stuff had to be done. All and it all happened right before, but even the parts right. would have been were subject to tariff because right. they're imported, right. uh, and so that was sort of. Uh, a funny thing that I discovered after the fact was that I saved money just because of the timing of when my washing machine broke. And that timing, I mean, like the, the, this is now getting to the point where it is going to start showing up in, uh, in 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 people's bottom line if if those sort of costs continue to get imposed on whether it's you know cars, you know, like the, the I mean the, the the tariffs either on Mexico or or Canada on on steel and aluminum or of the several you know thousands millions whatever of goods in china i mean this is this is kind of stuff that like people 
we'll no, we'll start noticing. Right? Oh, for sure. I mean, the the auto tariffs. I have had to say too many times. I probably have said it on this show before. Uh, but go. The number of people who still don't know that you know your BMW is probably assembled in South Carolina. You're right. A whole bunch of Toyotas are put together in Kentucky. These mm-hmm. are not, uh, not only are they not uh, foreign so right. much, they aren't, they're also in very Republican areas. Right. I would assume that most of the non-union labor working in the Deep South at yep. foreign auto plants right. are Trump voters. You would think, probably. I mean, like I think that's a fair assumption that, that a lot of folks, you know, uh, working like Blue collar people in Republican states, uh, with with a good you know good decent job, this will affect them disproportionately. Although I mean we, I don't know I I'm still I'm still marveling that more has not been made of the Lordstown you know plant shutting down the the, the production of the cruise in in uh, outside of Youngstown. Ohio. That sort of came and went. Nothing you know, matters. Just, <laughs> no, no, Stop like, it. No, nothing matters. Leave that line to Brandon. He, he'll be here shortly. Okay. Yeah. Uh, nothing matters. I, I, it, it is. It, it's sort of stunning. Okay. So we've got potential war <laughs> on on the front end of of, of this week. Uh, we have a deadline on Friday, or or not a deadline, but we have a, a scheduled meeting that might not happen uh, for with the a Chinese trade delegation. Um, and then, I mean, the I, I think some people may uh, may uh, rightfully say, like, why are you so obsessed with movies and sports? Uh, because in this case, with the Red Sox, this actually does, like, play into our politics. Let's talk a little bit about not just why Alex Cora is, um, is skipping it and what that means for a professional athlete to not go to the White House, but the underlying reason is one of the, the things that is moving in Congress right now. Oh, for sure. Uh, so, so Alex Cora is Puerto Rican and has done a whole lot of aid uh, work, uh, particularly in the aftermath of uh, the devastation from the hurricanes uh, uh, on the island. And... So he uh, apparently had initially thought he was going to go to the White House, uh, but after having conversations with family and I assume friends and and whatnot, he's entirely uncomfortable with it and announced over the weekend that he will not be going because of the Trump administration's view towards emergency disaster relief for Puerto Rico, right? which is basically the crux of this whole argument that has held up disaster relief not just for Puerto Rico uh but for the the Gulf Coast mm-hmm. uh, for the wildfires out west or midwestern flooding midwestern <laughs> flooding it's all been sort of held up because they haven't been able to get an agreement uh i think you know the democrats and republicans on capitol hill could probably come to an agreement fairly quickly if they were given a green light to increase the amount of money for Puerto Rico I don't get a sense from the Republicans at the Capitol that they're really all that distraught right. about giving money to Puerto Rico. Right. Um, but and, and, president and, is. Right. And, and you know, this is what's fascinating to me about this is that these like small, these small little issues are almost like uh, like petty grudges. Right. I mean, like at, at, at a certain point, someone got it into Trump's head or he or he like came up with this conclusion himself that like. The Puerto Ricans are not spending their money wisely, which is, you know, 
ironic for a number of reasons, whether on a personal level for, for the president or on a government-wide level. You know, the, 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 the complaint would be that they're not spending money well. Um, the, I mean, the, you know, the, the island was devastated a couple of years ago. Um, you know, if it like if Jose Andres hadn't gone down, you know, to to set up kitchens, it, I mean, it could it probably could have been a lot worse because apparently he did a much better job of getting people services than FEMA did. Um, so we're we're in this weird situation where like you know like the the president saying like well they they just haven't you know like managed their money well because you know previous to the the hurricanes coming in Puerto Rico did have some problems with it you know it's it's debt obligations and and uh, it's a US commonwealth and so there were questions about whether this would be put into receivership or whatever i mean but like that ha- that happens that happened in orange county in harrisburg pennsylvania too um so the fact that that is what the issue that's holding up you know, getting people relief on forest fires, on flooding uh, in Kentucky, right. uh, the, the the home of the Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, uh, aid to communities in Florida, in Texas, in South Carolina, in Georgia. I mean, these are again, these are all Republican areas. That's a lot right. of a lot of That's them. That's right. And 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 the president on in in one of these bizarre ironies. So what I'm I'm worried about on on this front is the possibility that that uh, that the president during his executive time uh, is uh, gets riled up about the Red Sox and starts saying things about Puerto Rico on Twitter that that <laughs> cause the talks which are supposed to be resuming this afternoon between uh, Patrick Leahy and Richard Shelby the top leaders of the Senate Appropriations Committee. Uh, that those basically get sidetracked. Right. The other thing that could throw everything for a loop is that Trump has a campaign rally scheduled Wednesday night on the Florida Panhandle, right. which is where some of the hurricane damage right. was. Right. This is yeah in Pan- Panama City. Yes. Uh, uh, you know this area. I mean, like th- this is it all. I mean, again, I, I'm glad you mentioned the, the campaign rally. Um, the, uh, our our colleague John Bennett, uh, who covers the White House for for CQ Roll Call. I mean, he. He wrote about this like this sort of needle that that the president is trying to thread here. You know that he's he's had rallies in Wisconsin, <laughs> in Michigan, and now Florida. In in uh, Wisconsin and Michigan were you know a couple weeks ago and last week, and then this one is you know in Florida. Obvious that he's paying attention to swing states that he needs in order to win re-election. Um, and again, I mean maybe it doesn't matter, uh, Peter, but, but like the, I mean this. People at a certain point will begin to say, like, the the one person who seems to be hanging this, like, like keeping like this disaster aid from getting here, is the person who wants me to like, you know, wave my MAGA hat. I mean, at what point does it just does the cognitive dissonance take over? I, if I, one of the things that I think is is Donald Trump's true skill is making it somebody else's fault all the time. Uh, and I mean that seriously. I, I think that that is a skill that he has developed. It's never his fault. And when you have a fairly sympathetic audience, like his base, uh, I, I really, honestly, don't think there's anything that he could do that they would say, "Oh, he really messed this one up." It's always Congress's fault, or it's Nancy Pelosi's fault, or it's leftover from Barack Obama, or there's there's a million different scapegoats that he can use and he does use. And I don't think anybody that is part of his core base, the people that are still with him after all these years, I don't think there's anything he can do that would actually have them, you know, uh, uh, leave his side. L- literally nothing. 
It literally I mean, nothing. It's, it's the fifth. I mean, his quote about Fifth Avenue shooting somebody on Fifth Avenue. It's so true. <laughs> um, I mean, th- what did you make, Niels, over the over the weekend of this, <laughs> um, the story about uh, Nancy Pelosi saying, you know, we have to score this very decisive victory in 2020 because the president may not like relinquish power. <laughs> well, <laughs> that was. Uh... One way to look at it, but the question about, like, to the point about decisive victory mm-hmm. uh, is, you know, you could see the part The part that I could see. It's, like, scary and authoritarian on one hand to, to look at it the way that, that Pelosi said it in that interview, uh, but the other side of it is I fully expect he's going to contest the electoral if 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 there's some dispute about something about the electoral college sure he'll probably direct mike pence to go dispute the electoral college and and then um how shall this or the attorney general or the attorney general and then and then it will be it will be roy blunt against (laughs) <laughs> who is the counter of the Electoral College votes. Right. As <laughs> as chairman of the Senate and Rules and Administration Committee. This is where this stuff starts to get important, right? <laughs> yes. The, the um, job that nobody cares about except when it really matters if, right. once every few years. When you're counting electors. <laughs> uh, and those sorts of the disputed electors or something like that. I have no doubt that if there's some, if there's some even plausible, if not, credible argument that he could make that that Mike Pence would be dispatched to make it. Nancy Pelosi said something that I've been saying for a long, long time. Donald Trump is not going to give up power if he loses the election, especially if it's close. I mean, I think even if it's like an overwhelming victory, I think he's still going to say what he said after 2016. Five million people voted illegally. We're going to get to the bottom of this. And he's going to you're going to have to drag him out of the White House kicking and screaming. In fact, you saw over the weekend's. uh, uh, Jerry Falwell Jr. said that Donald Trump deserves two extra years as president, quote, as reparations. Oh, God. He did not use that word, did he? He absolutely oh, used geez. that word because yeah. of the two years of the Mueller witch hunt. And Donald Trump retweeted it, meaning he would love that idea. Right. So getting him out of the White House is not just about winning the election. He's going to have to be maneuvered out of the White House somehow. That's coming. I know that there's like tons of fresh hell for us to deal with on a daily basis, but that's a little <laughs> bit down. That's a different kind of fresh hell, this a little is, bit farther down the this line. A little, a little, uh, yeah, under a year and a half. Uh, well, I mean, who who knows? I mean, like the the this uh, this electoral season is is getting interesting. So uh, we have a little over a minute left uh, in in this seg- segment. Niels, um, what are you what are you looking at? Just just today, you know what 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 do you what do you what do you how are you defining your day? <laughs> well, <laughs> like, the 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 big thing for uh, today, I think it's the trade question mm-hmm. today is what happens when you know we're we're sitting here coming up on eight o'clock. What happens when the market opens way down at nine thirty? Mm-hmm. Do Larry Kudlow does Larry Kudlow have to go out to the White House driveway mm-hmm. and have one of the the impromptu news conferences with the reporters in the White House driveway to claim everything is all good with the tariff 
discussions and trade talks with China. Everything is fine. And and that and does Bolton come out? It's basically what we said were the tweets and mm-hmm. the statements over the weekend. How much of it do they try and walk back before we have lunch? Right. And and how does that work its way through the rest of this week? Because I mean it it's it is it is weird. I I, I miss I miss having a a Sunday. You know where where it, it where it seems just like nothing happens, <laughs> and maybe again this is the thing. This is why you should never pray for rain, um, no, no matter how badly your 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 baseball team is doing, uh, because on the weekends it means that the president has a lot of time to to not be golfing, <laughs> and and in that sense that that can be very dangerous. Yes. <laughs> Well, Niels, thank you so much uh, for for starting the Monday. Uh, for the, the, will be a, a possibly quite eventful week, uh, and and helping us make sense of it. Uh, and uh, and appreciate it. And and uh, I'll I'll see you at work in a little while. <laughs> I'll be there. Alrighty, we'll be back uh, with Clyde McGrady and Catherine Lyons right after this. This is the Bill Press Show. Hey, friends, don't be a stranger. Keep up to date with all of the Bill Press Show happenings around the clock on social media. Here's how. You can follow us on Twitter at BP Show or on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash Bill Press Show and on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. And remember, if you haven't already done so, make sure to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. And while you're there, please rate and review the show. That means a lot to us. And thanks so much for your support. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. We're back. Uh, this is The Bill Press Show. I'm not Bill Press. Uh, I am Jason Dick. Uh, we have actually located Bill Press. Uh, we weren't sure where he was. Uh, he is aboard the USS Abraham Lincoln en route to the Iranian region. On the front uh, lines. Yeah, on, on the front lines. So uh, apparently he'll, uh, he'll report back to us whether we're going to Iran or not uh, soon. Uh, joining me this uh, half hour is our new Hurt on the Hill team at Roll Call, Catherine Lyons, Clyde McGrady. Uh, we're going to talk about your stories and welcome you uh, to the Bill Press Show as a team uh, shortly. But first, this is the Full Court Press. Yes, indeed. Just a couple of other stories making news. Are you a Derby guy? Do you watch the Derby, the Kentucky Derby over the weekend? Uh, I, you know, it, it's been tough. I mean, I realize that I, I think my dad and his sisters were partially put through college on the basis of some track winnings yeah, from yeah, my grandparents. Yeah. Uh, I've been to the Preakness uh, and and survived and didn't get peed on or anything. Uh, but like, it's just the the, the magic. You haven't gone. lived. Yeah, you haven't yeah. really gone yeah. to the Preakness <laughs> until someone has relieved themselves onto you. Um, but no, I I, uh, I I saw it and I, I just didn't watch it. It was just too. You know, I, it, I don't watch it. I, don't I, watch I think I was watching my hair. Or it's something. incredibly cruel to animals, so I don't watch it. Yeah. Uh, but but we had a winner of the Kentucky Derby over the weekend. It kind was, of. It was maximum security. Right. He was the winner until he wasn't. <laughs> he won, and then they went to the review. They went back and they looked. It took 22 minutes. Is how long the review took before they realized that. 
Uh, Max from security jumped a puddle on the rain-soaked track, slid to the outside. It impeded the progress of a rival horse, but also forced the horse's rider to uh, squeeze his knees and wrangle the reins just a little bit, which slowed the, ho slowed the horse down, which meant that he was disqualified. We are getting a a master class in horse horse racing. Just, yes. in just in time for basically its demise. As a, as yeah, a yeah exactly. Yeah. Hopefully this will be like the last Kentucky Derby, but it won't be. Uh, which means that uh, there was a new winner. The winner was Country House. Country House won the Kentucky Derby. It's the first time that this has ever happened, that they had someone win on a technicality that way. Uh, Country House was a 65 to 1. Uh, somebody uh, got rich. Somebody got very rich. Somebody got rich. Somebody got very, <laughs> very rich. Uh, okay, so uh, Joseph Merrick, also known as the Elephant Man, mm -hmm. uh, years ago he passed away, and when he died he gave his skeleton to science. So mm -hmm. his skeleton remains. We know exactly. This is what you're doing too, Peter. Right? Yes, exactly. I've actually. I'm not. I'm not kidding. I've donated my body to the body farm, where they like let forensic scientists uh, examine the body in, in various stages of decomposition. Yeah, that's where Sweet. I'll be when I die. Uh, but they they have Joseph Merrick's bones, but they didn't know where his final resting place was. His remains, uh, besides his skeleton, mm -hmm. were buried somewhere. Well, there's an author who is writing a book about uh, Joseph Merrick, and she says that she found the grave it was buried in the city of london cemetery after he died in 1890 she found it was an unmarked grave mm -hmm. she's looked at all the different records of where they might have taken a, i don't really know how to put this but it's his soft tissue remains uh where they put those so it's a very small grave uh, -huh. uh but she found it she Potter, says potter's this, field i believe is the term yeah right? yeah. yeah so that she found his his uh, grave and marked it and now everybody knows where it is uh, here's a sad story. Uh, like, because that one wasn't sad enough. That was very like, uplifting. Yeah, like, uh, it was uplifting <laughs> in the sense they found the, the remains. But uh, we go to New Orleans, the Times-Picune. Yeah. Uh, the entire staff was fired over the weekend because the paper was sold to a competitor. Uh, the 182-year-old daily newspaper was sold, and the entire staff was laid off. This also, I mean, the, not to uh, belabor that this could be an entire show on itself. I mean, the the Times Picayune had started going like losing a lot of altitude when it was sold to Advanced uh, Media, and you know, like this is one of those kind of uh, corporate entities that likes to cannibalize newspapers, sell off its assets, lay people off. Uh, and when they went less than daily, uh, the New Orleans, the Baton Rouge Advocate came in and started a New Orleans edition. And that's who bought it. So. This is the Bill Press Show. We are back. Uh, thank you. Uh, thank you. And also for the indulgence on the interlude about New Orleans media markets. Uh, it, it is it is sort of a sad day. Uh, I, I've uh, always loved reading the New Orleans Times Picayune, and I, I have a number of books by some of their reporters. But uh, life does go on, uh, especially in a, in a place like New Orleans. Um, joining me now, uh, transitioning to our, our guest, 
Clyde McGrady and Catherine Lyons, uh, our new Heard on the Hill team at Roll Call. Welcome to you both. Thank you. Good, Good morning. morning. Good Thanks early morning. Us. It is an early morning. Good this early is Monday morning. Early yeah, mo- Monday. Mo- I, I have to say that this is uh, this may be the toughest time to get uh, guests who are awake. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Friday, everybody's cruising. Right? They're like, sure, wow. whatever. I'll be taking a nap by 10 o'clock anyway in the morning. So, But Monday, it's like, oh. What? Really? I don't know. You want me in here at 8 a.m.? We what? are just bright-eyed and bushy tail <laughs> right now. I, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. I had my 4.30 a.m. Pilates class, <laughs> and then I came right here. Just fresh off a What time do you get up in the morning, Peter? I, <laughs> I mean, didn't actually say, like, I mean, like, I mean, uh, Yeah, I mean, I think that that's when the coffee machine goes on at no, your house, probably. That, no. All right. Um, Clyde, you've been here before, but mm-hmm. uh, we always had to keep it under wraps that you were, you know, kind of like moving toward the herd on the hill, your herd on the hill destiny. And Catherine, this is your first time uh, in in studio. Yes. Um, let's talk about herd on the hill. This is a, a herd on the hill for for those of you who may not be as familiar with roll call. Uh, this is the, um, the the it's been around since 1988. It's the the gossip section. It is, uh, but it's also, I mean. It's, since becoming a, a herd, you know, like on the hill kind of gossip part of the of the newspaper, it's become its own section. And we, right. you know, you know, like we are incredibly proud of it. I'm super happy about uh, its relaunch because you're doing some stories that I feel are are a lot of fun and also very, um, very interesting and entertaining. So like, let, let's let's first um, I. Before we get to the heavy one, Clyde, uh, about mm. crime in D.C. Don't call him uh, heavy. <laughs> I know. It's just, He's not heavy. Well, you know, he has this. He, he had this uh, suit on, on the last couple of times he was there that, that's very slimming. And now he's – because <laughs> I think because – Very pear-shaped. Yeah, because now – What he, is now this got the, suit uh, that makes you look slimming? Yeah, I, well, I mean, you, you, you talked about you were traumatized by your, your tailor who wanted to uh, – take it take it down a size right uh, is, is no it, what, i went in i'm an average i'm a man of average height but i did <laughs> i went to the uh i i, I did go into five ten right five eleven five yeah five do, nine do, and a half do, yeah, five, yeah, ten, five, five, yeah. yeah. <laughs> round up uh and the saleswoman she goes why don't we try like a 44 short? And I gasped audibly because <laughs> she said short. Because <laughs> you've never been called short before? No, man. It's, oh, God. It's, it's tough. It's tough. It's tough. tough. I mean, tough like the, 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 the trauma that you must have endured. Um, he prefers fun sized. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I just get all of my suits at Lane Bryant, and I never. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I can't remember which it was, but one of the big and tall stores went out of business, or they, they or they, they, uh, they, they uprooted uh, on Connecticut and K. And I wonder if it's that. I mean, there's just so much sweet green eating going on that, like, they, you know, it's like, nope, we're going to Charles Turwitt. You know, like we don't yeah. need Rochester big and tall anymore, Mouse or whatever. Tall. <laughs> Mouse <is> tall. Yeah. <laughs> Not because I'm big, but because I'm tall. Right. <laughs> um, so let's, Catherine. I want to talk uh, a little bit about um, this this guide dog uh, story yeah. that you had. This is this is a fun story. Let's talk about this. And and also the 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 headline was this caller can tell if you're not cutting the mustard. I'm I I almost read it like just because I'm a juvenile uh, that you're not, <laughs> not cutting the cheese. Uh, but that that's uh, that's not what it I says. had the same it, reaction. Yeah. <laughs> cheese yeah, mustard. I just want to let you know I had the same <laughs> right. exact reaction. <laughs> but let's talk about your mustard cutting uh, dog collar. Dog, yes. Well, <laughs> let me just be upfront. There was no mustard right. in the room. Okay. There was no mustard involved. Um, but yeah, it's kind of it, it was a really cute story. I mean, these dogs are um, they're 
it's guiding eyes for the blind mm-hmm. and what they do is they breed train place their dogs and um they use this bluetooth technology and this collar and from uh, a very early stage based on the dog's movements and even the environment it's in um it could tell if a dog is um qualified to be a a guide dog for you know someone who's blind and deaf. They're basically using sabermetrics for guide dogs now. Um, <laughs> yeah, they're using anal- analytics has moved from the sports field to guide dogs. I mean, now. it's only a matter of time before humans start wearing <laughs> these collars, and that's how you get your next job. You right. know, you just be shocked, like, nope, uh, you're late on deadline. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, exactly. Um, I'd be like shaking on the floor constantly. <laughs> uh, But yeah, if they aren't qualified, they go on to do uh, just as great things. They Mm -hmm. could be therapy dogs. Um, They get listed for adoption, which is a Mm -hmm. four-year wait list. So Mm -hmm. anybody wanting to do that, uh, put your name in now. And and also, I mean, like some of these are helping people. Like, I mean, the the the, it lost. uh, I think in a lot of the congressional workforces. I mean, there are a number of places and a number of people who are are disabled, who are are blind or hard of hearing. Uh, deaf and so forth uh, in in wheelchairs and so forth and the the capital is not the most friendly place for I, for somebody who's who's, dis- who's disabled yes. uh, there's there uh, the, the, every couple of years the uh, you know there's there's a report an internal report that comes out that says like here are all the places that are not ADA certified um, and and this is this is one of those things that this can help you know like the particularly people who work in the capital who absolutely are, are, and it's a, just a good reminder of how technology is being used for good you know I think it's getting a lot of flack these days where it's like bring tearing people apart and uh, losing the essence of interpersonal communication and all that but you know there are good technological advances out there and this is definitely one of them um, Ben Stiller uh, the other day I was um, I was in the it was Wednesday it was during the the, the bill bar uh, yeah. Senate Judiciary the other hearing the, the other hearing uh, I was I was at the Capitol I'd done a podcast with Niels who just uh, left uh, in the previous segment and um, and it, you know it was just one of those long days and I was, le- I was leaving the Capitol. I was walking out on the East Front, and I saw the back of somebody who kind of looked like not a, a you know, a, a Washingtonian. A, a Washingtonian. <laughs> did, did not look like a lobbyist. Did not look like a member, but was flanked by security, by by Capitol police. Uh, and then there was somebody who was trailing with like a you know a camera, like or not. Uh, she was walking backwards as he was walking away, right. getting that shot of of yeah. him in the Capitol. I, I didn't know who it was. And there was just this like sort of. Um, you mat- thought it was Clyde. Maybe. Yeah, I thought it was Clyde. Maybe, yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, I mean, because you know, it's a, it's a, the probably a forty-four short suit. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, <laughs> um, just just uh, just like Clyde may be a little uh, 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 less tall than you expect. Uh, ben Stiller is actually a little taller than you expect. I mean, they he, always are. Yeah, yeah they, they so. Um, but th- and this woman was was filming this, and then. You know, all these security people who were, like, tending to this person who I didn't know was Ben Stiller yet, they couldn't find it in, you know, like, they were so busy looking for terrorists who were going to go after Ben right. Stiller, apparently, that <laughs> they did they forgot to warn her that she was backing up into a fence, oh. and she tripped and fell. Uh, and, and you know, people were like, oh, and, and but she's, she was a trooper and kind of kept going. Oh, like, gosh. Got it, you know, Just walk of, it off. Yeah, walk it off. Stay walk with the off. shot. Stay with the shot. And then, you know, he... 
turned and I and I saw the Zoolander profile. He didn't <laughs> shoot me. He, yeah, he did not shoot me blue steel, but I saw. I, I could tell he wanted to. Opportunity yeah. missed. And then he walked over by the Supreme Court or something like yeah. that. Uh, and but but he was. I mean, he was here for a a, a fairly serious reason. And you yeah. wrote about that. Yeah, he was here. Um, kind of, you know, speaking to his part as a goodwill ambassador for the United Nations UNHCR, which. Um, the acronym is escaping right now, the in full length. But um, he's been uh, doing a lot of traveling over to uh, kind of war-torn countries mm-hmm. and um, taking a look into the refugee crisis himself. Angelina Jolie <laughs> cannot do it all herself I think, as a UN. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but, you know, he's not just, at least from... The, the sense that I got, he's not just uh, another celebrity kind of speaking to a cause without really knowing about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wrote a piece for Time on his experience in these countries and inter- interactions with families. So you can get the sense that he is speaking from a place of personal experience and he's not touting uh, solutions. He's not saying, right. hey, this is what we have to do. He's fully admitting that he doesn't know this is not his area, but from what he's seen, he'd you know be remiss not to speak to it and not to um, help in some kind of way because he's been so personally touched by his interactions and what he's seen on the ground. Right, and one thing I think that gets lost in the uh, are uh, a a predecessor at Heard on the Hill, uh, Warren Rojas called them celebricates <laughs> um, in in the celebricate universe or the, sure. in the uh, the. Capitol Hill celebricate expanded universe, uh, if, if you will, Peter. Um, we were talking about the end game, as you do, you know, on a political talk show. Uh, <clears throat> but um, it, one thing that gets a little lost in them is that, like, yes, they're, you know, these are famous people and they're rich and, and, and they have a platform. But it, it, a lot of them are becoming, like, much more well-versed in this. There was this big story in the Washington Post over the weekend about Alyssa Milano and how she like got her, you know, like her sort of political yeah. awakening. She was here this um, week too, or she, last week. Yes, and uh, with uh, Patricia Arquette, yes. I think, uh, talking about the ERA. Uh, I mean, like the, the the thing that I've always, I mean, it, it is easy to dismiss them as like, oh, this is just Hollywood people, with, right. you know, between, between movies or between shows or whatever. But they do have a platform and probably more people pay attention yes. to them than say if just Jim Risch, the chairman of the Foreign Relations Committee said, you know, what's happening in Syria is really yep. bad. And yeah, and I think, you know, that's part of it too, is having uh, these names like Ben Stiller and Alyssa Milano. I think it does do, um, you know, the, it is to the group's advantage to have them because if anything, it'll just bring attention to that cause, to mm-hmm. that name and, you know, put it on the map sometimes. Yeah. So I um, asked him about heavyweights too. What? <laughs> that's what yeah, that's what that's what the people really want. Right. Let's let's get honest. Uh, um, Clyde, uh, you uh, you've been on the show a couple of times. We've uh, plugged you into bizarre uh, situations, like uh-huh. uh, with uh, Cam Easley uh, <laughs> uh, for the uh, you know the this we had this uh, strange Southern Triangle of power with Clyde and and Cam and and Peter who's Florida. from South Carolina. Oh, Florida. Is that the South? Um, the that's no. like North Cuba. <laughs> yeah, the answer is Tallahassee. I always have, on a I always have this conversation, right? Like, is Florida the South? It's the answer not. is no. It's right. not. Same thing with Texas. Texas is not the South. Well, let me. North Florida. North right. Florida is Where the, the South. Where the president is going to be on Wednesday, it would be hard to dispute that Panama City is not the South. <laughs> but Florida is Florida. Florida right. exists in its own category. Yes. Just but, Texas well, does. Well, uh, so. 
What are you gonna say about Florida, uh, Jacksonville? Because Jacksonville it's, it's is like southern South Georgia. Georgia. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Tallahassee, Tallahassee South yeah. Georgia, right. Florida State. Yeah, I mean, it, I I do feel like yeah, there is a certain point where, um, like the like the the bottom part of the half of Florida ceases to be. Uh, the the Caribbean basically, yes. <laughs> uh, the the North Cuban suburbs, oh, yeah. uh, if if you will, or or uh, the, uh, the the I I loved my my father lived in the Bahamas for about five years towards the end of his life, and um, yeah. I, I remember going there and and and, and he lived uh, uh, in Marsh Harbor, so not in Nassau and around there, and I remember thinking like. This is just like Florida, except there are no laws. <laughs> like, there well, some would are, there argue, are no roads. Yeah. Some would argue there is no laws in Florida yeah. either. Uh, and, and also, it was you know the the I, I have a, a friend who's a, a retired Coast Guard officer, and he's just like, yeah, I mean, you, you see the trajectory of like smuggling and all this kind of stuff just up, you know, Haiti, Bahamas, Bimini, like you know, right right into like you know basically north of palm beach you know <laughs> i mean it's like the vectors were kind of interesting home sweet home home sweet home so <laughs> i mean i you know we're we're all put it we're all from the sun belt uh yeah. i mean i'm as a as a uh, as somebody born in phoenix um i mean like phoenix is kind of nowhere almost in 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 a lot of people's maps it is the southwest uh but it's also like it's it's almost like a midwestern city because so so much of it like the infrastructure of it so much is is like this kind of conservative midwestern huh. Power structure, you know, people who move there were from the Midwest and and particularly from Chicago and, and stuff like that. And then more recently, it has become much more, you know, a much more liberalized city, a much weirder, you know, more interesting yeah. kind of place. It's almost become like Los Angeles. Uh, in, say in that a for a lot of cities. Yeah. <laughs> um, speaking of cities, uh, Clyde, you're uh, when, when when you when you all rolled out your re relaunch of Heard on the Hill, we had a, we had a nice package and roll call. Uh, you, you guys, I think. I mean, this sounds so funny to like talk about this on the radio and, and on YouTube, uh, mm-hmm. but the you know we had three full pages, you know, of, yeah. of uh, we had a lot to say. There was a lot pent up, and the and the story that you wrote uh, for for that uh, Clyde was about uh, a particularly um, traumatic and and influential time in Washington's history. Let's talk a little bit about that story. Right. So this was the early '90s, um, and a young <clears throat> staffer for Richard Shelby. This guy named Tom Barnes. Richard Shelby, the Republican senator from Alabama, who at the time was a Democrat, Democrat before, yeah. he, before he switched parties. Uh, yeah, and this kid got murdered over on Acker Street, which is coincidentally the same exact street and corner that I used to live, mm-hmm. actually. Um, so he gets murdered Not in Not at the same time, just like the <laughs> yes, last, last like few years, yeah. 20 plus years later. Um, he gets murdered... Um, Richard Shelby calls for the death penalty uh, in the aftermath of it, and it you know sets up this clash between like D.C. and the federal government because there's always been this tension between D.C. and Congress, mainly over home rule mm-hmm. and um, how much autonomy D.C. gets. Mm-hmm. The fact um, that we're taxed and have no representation in Congress yes. <laughs> or voting representation in Congress. So it kind of inflamed that. And also, um, it was in the midst of this era of crime where I think in 91, the previous year before Barnes was murdered, there was something like 489 murders. It was, yeah, we, 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 traded, uh, we traded with New Orleans and Detroit for murder capital. Uh, yeah. Like, uh, uh, bra- uh, like, not bragging rights, but it was, it was, a, it was a 
bad time. It was a dark time uh, in, in, I mean, the crack epidemic was mm-hmm. in full sway. This led to a lot of violence, and we had reached a, you know, a point where murders were making national news. Yeah, so. and of course, um, back in that era, overwhelming majority of those murders were happening to young black people, mm-hmm. and a lot of them were related to the drug trade, particularly uh, crack cocaine. And a matter of fact, the kid that murdered Tom Barnes, his grandma like this, lived this across the, the street. Tom Barnes was the, the Barnes staffer, was a staffer, um, but the guy who murdered him, uh, his sister had been killed the year before. His 16-year-old sister found in Rock Creek. And the juxtaposition of what happens when Tom Barnes gets murdered versus what happens right. when she gets murdered, nothing. It's just another dead kid, right? But- Tom Barnes, this uh, young fraternity kid white from, fraternity the kid South, from Alabama, you know, works on Capitol Hill, seen as having a bright future, a right. lot ahead of him. Um, and Shelby even, you know, told me this like he had so much potential. Like I talked to his roommate um, at the time, and it was like, yeah, just this bright kid, such a good kid who had so much in front of him. And it kind of shook Capitol Hill. Mm-hmm. And while this is happening. Uh, congressmen are also getting mugged. Like, right. they're the victims of violent crime. Right. Uh, Kent Conrad's wife gets dragged two blocks, you know, out of a car. Um, people are getting robbed. So you've got that. And there's crime in every city, like you said. They traded with New Orleans. And, and Detroit. And Detroit. And Gary. And, yeah. And they're debating the crime bill at this point. Mm-hmm. And we know what happens there. Some of the toughest, most, like, draconian... Um, crime enforcement policies come out of that and we're still dealing with the aftermath of that. I mean, we just signed like the criminal justice reform to kind of, you know, lessen some of those penalties. Mm-hmm. And also out this of that- where like three strikes, the three strikes law came came from and so forth, like sentencing guidelines for just throwing the book at people. Right? Yeah. yeah. And in 95, things would get so bad that they eventually put DC government in receivership they come up with this financial control board, this five-person panel. And out of that, uh, you can sort of draw the line between modern D.C. at right. the financial control board. And that kind of sets up some of the economic development and some of the gentrification that you see now. So you've got, like, the the problem over at Howard, right, with the neighbors walking their dogs to poop all over the lawn you've got the metro pcs controversy with the don't mute dc because they're playing uh go-go music too loud and the people at the condo next door don't like it so a lot of those problems that kind of really uh came to a head in the era we're still dealing with the fallout and that's what the story was about yeah i i i got to i moved to washington in 1998 and and we're you know, at, at that point, it was the, the the control board was they were starting to talk about like how right. to uh, sort of wind it down. Anthony Williams had been you know a, a part of that and sort of rode that to being the next mayor. Um, in and uh, and it it did. I mean, the city in in terms of its safety and so forth is a safer place, um, but it certainly came at a cost. You know, at, at, a, yeah. at a human cost uh, and a lot of these forces. So were as you said, just in play. I mean, the, and the control board too. There was a an economic, you know, aspect of it too. The city's finances were just in total disarray, and also the mayor at the time, Marion Barry, 
um, was was not shy about voicing his opinions to mm-hmm. the predominantly white power structure in in Congress that he didn't agree with a lot of them, and you know it, it was a it was an interesting time. So this is the uh, by this is a long way of saying that this is um, uh, this is hardly the lighter side of Capitol Hill <laughs> as sometimes uh, heard on the Hill is is referred to. Um, I I I like to think of it as these are the stories that th- these are the stories that are happening underneath the like what you see on CNN, Absolutely. MSNBC, uh, mm-hmm. and 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 Catherine, you're um, you you came over from um, from famous DC where you got a little bit of uh, like a you know sort of a head head start on on working on a lot of these stories on interviews and so forth. Let's, let's talk a, bit, a little bit about that because that was a I mean I, I loved what you did at, at, at famous DC. And, yeah, thank you. Um, it was a, it was always a good. Uh, it, Still, still a good read, you know, with with their newsletter that comes out on Friday. So. Thanks. Yeah. Um, so I was managing editor at Famous DC, and Famous DC is a uh, digital media outlet where we, uh, similar to Heard on the Hill, kind of focused on uh, the other kind of news that fell the radar. And a lot of this was uh, more positive and inspiring. Um, you know, we we were a little snarky sometimes, but no. all in good fun. <laughs> I know I'm not sarcastic. I'm not. I, I mean, I, the, I I was a little worried about it about you coming on Bill Press, <laughs> you know, because I you know I, I like to keep a real button down, yes. you know, sort of situation yes. when I'm guests. And guest I apologize hosting. for everything I'm about to say. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was um, our our motto there was bringing out the best in mm-hmm. DC, which. Um, you probably haven't noticed in uh, the news cycle <laughs> these days how uh, stuffy and, um, you know, how heavy it can feel sometimes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm a big believer in trying to, you know, lift up other spirits and um, and trying to shine a light in on other news that isn't getting as, se- excuse me, as seen. And um, I believe that, you know, we're doing that at Hurt on the Hill. We focused on that at Famous DC. Um, I've just met a lot of cool people through the stories that I've been able to tell. So it's always a good reminder that there is good out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and a little humor never hurt anybody. Oh, it did. I mean, <laughs> look at Peter. He's, like, he's, a, he's damaged goods from all this, the wisecracking. Yeah, know, like, l- over, literally. Over, over <laughs> yeah, Mayor Scanlon broke her ankle. Oh yeah, let's yeah let's yeah let's let's talk a little bit about this this story. This was uh um I I meant I meant to mention this and 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 actually uh, Peter and McKenna even even printed it off uh, the, the story about uh, Mary Gay Scanlon, who's a freshman Democrat from Pennsylvania. She so <clears throat> she's a member of the House Judiciary Committee, mm-hmm. and of course this was the day that Barr testified in the Senate, mm-hmm. and he just notified the House that eh, he's not coming. To to the House Judiciary the next day, uh, yeah. To on Thursday, yeah. What was so scheduled she, for? A, she goes outside the Capitol to go record a video for it and trips and breaks her ankle. But, uh. but oh, there's a but. There's a but. Like Willis Reed hobbling out, she still <laughs> records. His Talk video. about a dated reference card. <laughs> yeah, you know, sorry. 1970 Knicks <laughs> reference. Thanks, thanks for that. She hobbles out and records. This we video. just lost what few remaining listeners we have. Thanks. You know, <laughs> go ahead. Sorry. Wait, this isn't a boomer on me or something. <laughs> still love the Knicks. Anyway, uh, she records this video, like asking um, Bar the questions that she would ask, mm-hmm. um, and the hearing, and like dramatically ripping up this paper. Until eventually they're like, you need to go to the hospital. <laughs> before you got you, blood. Before you develop sepsis and, and go into shock. Yeah. 
But when she gets to the hospital, guess what the attendant attending physician's name is? Dr. Muller. Dr. Muller. <laughs> Spelled the same way? Spelled differently without the E. Wow. But it did feel like, Probably I don't know, like it. Herb or something. I could just hear the Herb Muller. Bum, ba-dum, 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 <laughs> just like playing in the background. Um, and then and she, she showed up with uh, basically the human equivalent of the cone of shame, one of those boots you know, yeah. that she has to like, truck around in. I, am, I have to say that I am shocked that more people don't trip and break you know, ankles and so forth. She was forth. looking at uh, her like, email, yeah. and that is on, like on the, Because the, the, the capital steps are so slippery. Like, the marble is just, like, yes. unbelievably, like, uh, the, and the way they run down, like, uh, like when they're leaving for the week, I mean, it's, it is really, right. like, school's out, you know, and they're yeah. running sometimes with their cars. It's a miracle that more people haven't biffed, you know, on But on as, as a reporter, um, I appreciate her dedication to getting out that content, <laughs> <Yes>. though. <laughs> She would not be stopped by broken ankles. Like, I'm going to record this video. Yeah. Uh, Catherine Clyde, thank you so much thank for you. stopping by. Thanks, and man. I wish you all the luck and look forward to working with you in, in the coming days. Great. Likewise. We'll be right back with Brandon Weatherby uh, for the rounding out the Today's Bill Press Show. Stay tuned. This is the Bill Press Show. Welcome back to the Bill Press Show. I'm not Bill Press. I'm Jason Dick. Uh, I'm sitting in for Bill today and tomorrow. Uh, and joining me, rounding out this uh, show, is my good friend Brandon Weatherby. Hello. The managing uh, editor of Brightest Young Things and also the host of the podcast You Me Them Everybody. That's correct. Uh, which I was on on Friday. That's correct. Uh, night. Uh, I, uh, I had a good time at the Wonderland Ballroom as Thanks always. Thanks for coming on the show. I, I really appreciate it. It was it was fun. I I, I, I showed up kind of sweaty. Uh, yeah, because you I ran was, a race. I ran a, a literal race. Run, run is sort of a strong term for what I did. How, uh, <laughs> no, no, your heart rate went up. You I, That it did. You paid to participate with <laughs> other people. I, I you did. wore a piece of... Uh, stronger than normal paper on your chest. You right. ran, right? I did. I, I was, <laughs> and I and I did it again on Saturday. Yeah, you ran. Uh, yeah, I, good for you. I, I, actually, a, a friend uh, who works at the United States Capitol, uh, who is in much better shape than me, he he uh, he calls it walking, uh, walk walk jogging. Uh, it, it's a particularly uh, for for older people like myself. To each uh, their own, man. <laughs> guilty as charged. <laughs> Speaking of running, well, yeah. there's a little bit of breaking news about yeah. the Kentucky Derby. We discussed it a little bit and how the president had weighed in on it. Uh, and, and we talked about like the, the maximum security, the, the winner, the initial winner, has been disqualified. What's the news? Peter? I have some news. Yes. I have some news. The owner of the horse, Gary West, said he is going to file an appeal with the Kentucky State Racing Board over the controversial decision that disqualified maximum security and also said the maximum security will not run in the upcoming Preakness. Out of protest or out of protest. He wants he wants this he wants the, the results overturned. He's filed the appeal and while the appeal is happening, he's not going to run the horse. And also the preakness, the field conditions are, are suspect. Yeah, right. <laughs> also that. This is the only thing that could unite the country. <laughs> that horse was robbed, man. And this is the only time the liberal left should be okay with the prison industrial complex because maximum security was the rightful winner of that race. <laughs> and whatever Democratic candidate is smart will go, you know what? Trump is right. We should unite on this. That was a BS call. I, I wonder, if, I'm guessing that there are probably some candidates in the field of uh, 2,500 or whatever that probably don't even know that the Derby was this weekend. That's not good. That's probably Those not are the good same people that don't know how much a gallon of milk costs. Probably not. Or how to use a grocery scanner back in 1992, like yeah. George, George H.W. Bush. <laughs> um, 
Brandon, let's talk a little bit more about this because I mean, horse racing. I mean, the, it seems like the the aside from just the quick news of it. It, this whole thing has quickly devolved into whether horse racing should exist. Whether, sure. I mean, what is is this is this already sort of? Uh, I mean, pardon the sort of accidental pun. Is this jumping ahead uh, of of what the story is and letting it play out? No, 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 not at all. I mean, it's the same way boxing is never going to exist again. But then Canelo fights and he's got three belts and he's coming close to. He's never going to unify the belts. He's right. never going to Thanos this thing. But he, he, oh, nice. He, I know. We'll talk. He, we'll get to that later. He <laughs> is making the sport. Uh, a sport that was the most popular televised sport uh, that's now sort of in the doldrums, more relevant again. And I think that this this controversy is going to do the exact same thing for horse racing. I mean, we all like to glorify swimming when the Summer Olympic comes, and we all like to glorify figure skating when the Winter Olympics comes. Way more people participate in horse racing than right. figure skating or, the, the, or swimming in the Olympics. So I don't think it's going to go anywhere. Is it ever going to be at that level that it once was again? No. Should it be? No, absolutely not. But there's too many other sports. There's too many like, other sports. Yeah. There, there, are, there is the animal cruelty aspect of it. Of course there is that. But uh, I don't know if you know this. Uh, there's also money and alcoholism. The whole thing was sponsored by Woodford Reserve. Um, they're not throwing good money away here. Right. No, so, it, 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 and I, I wonder about this. I mean, again, not, not to downplay the, the, real, like, the real issue of like, whether these animals are mistreated mm-hmm. or so forth, but this is an aspect of almost every sport of of whether the athletes are exploited uh you know i mean the, whether whether it's boxing as you mm-hmm. mentioned whether it's football you've talked a lot about this oh, yeah. uh, on on your show um and about you know concussions i mean every sport has its exploitative angle i mean the horses don't have a choice in this they don't they you know a horse doesn't say i'm not going to participate in horseback racing just like greyhounds didn't but there's a know. solid argument to be made on both sides saying like well those horses are treated better than most every other horse there's a solid argument to be made where well now you're just taking them up to pasture and that's not nice so mm-hmm. it goes both ways the least bad sport of the top five the top five being like hockey baseball basketball and uh football and soccer i'd say is probably the nba Right now, it's the least bad sport, but there's still dirty money. Least, everywhere. least bad in terms of its in terms of ethics and okay. exploitation, and then and also in terms of CTE. Mm-hmm. Uh, clearly, football a number one with a bullet, and then mm-hmm. probably soccer, then hockey. It doesn't matter. There's no pure anything, and to dismiss it whole cloth is a very bad idea. Mm-hmm. And this goes for all pop culture. This goes for any candidate that's like, I'm not interested in this. No, no, no. You should be interested in a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, no. Absolutely. I mean. I, I think that's I think that's the problem with um, no offense to all of radio, <laughs> all of it, all of radio. There's not one good. F- there's not one good station. There's not one good any representative that is okay with everything. Everyone has to have that bias, and that's mm-hmm. really disappointing. I mean, even NPR does it. I mean, their sports jingle during weekend edition is sort of a joke on purpose, mm-hmm. and that's disappointing. We should acknowledge that like, there's greatness in every single thing, even if there's horrible atrocities in every single thing. It's no different. So let's just try to give it the respect that it deserves. And this is the first time I've ever said this out of my mouth. Maximum security was robbed. <laughs> nice. Thank you. Well done. Um, I, I, I want to quickly um, pivot because uh, I, I, uh, I feel like we're almost running out of time already. You know, we're, we're hard out at, uh, at 5850 as, as, right. as I'm, I'm frequently sort of racing against that. But I wanted to talk a little bit about movies yes. uh, because, again, this is another thing that like it's, it's easy to uh, say like, oh, these are comic books and silly sort of things. And then, you know, the Avengers comes along and it makes two billion dollars in two weeks. And that's that's real money. I mean, that that's that that is 
the culture. I mean, mm-hmm. we in, in you know the United States in the you know middle of the century was making cars and making steel and making bombs and mm-hmm. all all sorts of things that were mo- sort of macho and and uh, and and people went to the movies and they went to sporting events at as a as a, a shared experience, right? As a shared experience, and to sort of take their minds off the fact that their job sucked and it was very difficult and and like made them feel like their body was going to fail. Sure. Them. And now uh, we don't do that as much. We still have manufacturing, but like now, sports and entertainment—that is the culture. That is what we make. That, that is, is what we do. There we is in, no nerd in, culture anymore. Right, it's just culture. Right. We import uh, our our movies at a rate. I mean, like the it, it is. People shouldn't be surprised that Avengers Endgame opened in China first, mm-hmm. not in the United States, uh, it, because. You go where the money is. Well, the China <laughs> thing is also weird because China uh, caps the amount of films that they have per year. Mm-hmm. So any blockbuster is guaranteed to be seen by most everyone because if there's only one movie in the theater, you're probably going to see that movie if you're going right. to see a movie. So the China one is a little – it's a little odd. It, it's not like uh, this movie Kill in Canada <laughs> where there's an actual it's, – it's similar similar to the United States but just not the uh, the money behind it. It's its own unique little, uh, little, little toy, mm-hmm. little – that's not a good analogy in any way whatsoever. Anyways, uh, the thing with the whenever, whenever people freak out about China's going to take over, have you seen one movie made in China? There's like three basketball players ever that are like from China that you know of. Right. Until they dominate sports and entertainment, don't worry about anywhere else. Right. We still rule USA, USA. Like that's that's what I'm getting at. Avengers is proof positive that America has never been doing better. And that's both good and bad. It it is, and I I one of the things that I um I I was you know we were talking about a little earlier in the show about Avengers is that I I am you know like that that Gen X kid mm-hmm. who grew up uh, reading the Avengers, reading Spider Man, reading this universe when it was just two D you mm-hmm. know and 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 I you know so I'm arguably more invested. In it. I also love movies. Um, I, I, I have a, a, a wide variety of interests and this is one of them. I mean, I still read comic books and I still watch the movies and I, I felt though it was almost kind of creepy in the way that it, it, it was almost like there was this, like, if you don't like Avengers Endgame, like it, you're, there's something wrong with you almost. I mean, there, there was almost like a peer pressure of like, you have to see this, you have to be part of the conversation and you have to praise it because it made a lot of money. So I ad- I definitely agree with part of that sentiment. I definitely agree with that you have to see this now and it necessarily, it wasn't because it's good or it's bad, but it's going to get spoiled. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a fair statement. I thought it was spoiled. So like I'm, my day job is I'm the editor of British Young Things, so I had to edit the review and our reviewer did a fantastic job, and he didn't spoil it. But then while I was searching for stills and art, I thought it was spoiled for me, but I saw a fake spoiler. Mm-hmm. So when I saw the movie, I was waiting for this one moment to happen. It never did happen, which made me change my oh, entire viewing experience. you familiar with this term, salting? No, I'm not. So salting is a way that you um, you can trace a leak. Oh, okay. So you give different bits of information to different people, and you Got keep it. track of where where you have salted, uh, if you will, this information. I and guess so, I and, was. And so if somebody mentions it, you know where they got That's the wonderful. I mean, I, it's not a perfect analogy for what you saw. No, it's but, sort of but, similar. But, uh, it's a three-hour film, right. as you know, uh, as most people know. So, of course, I had to go to the restroom really quickly. So I missed maybe 90 seconds of it, mm-hmm. and I was convinced that that was the 90 seconds of the, the my salting. Right. <laughs> uh, it was not. Therefore, I have a very warped perspective of viewing Avengers Endgame mm-hmm. in the theaters. Um, 
I don't think anyone's saying it's the perfect film. Mm-hmm. I even think that uh, whether you're a comic book person or uh, just a movie person, it's maybe in the top 10 of the Marvel 22 films. If you want to include the X-Men films and the Deadpools, it's like maybe top 10 of the 30 films. It's good. It's satisfying. Mm-hmm. This is a non-spoiler spoiler here. Um no, you the spoiler. We should point out that they that Marvel said that today is the day. That oh, that's kind of cool. Is yeah. lifted. Right. I kind of like that. Yeah, you give it I, two weekends too. and then the Monday yeah, after. Yeah, but and apparently everybody on the planet has seen the movie at this point, <laughs> so there's no one to to be spoiled. All right. Well, I still don't want to do it. <laughs> no, I don't either. I, but there is one moment where um, it, it doesn't matter if you like the characters. There's one specific moment that's a it's a wonderful nod to the first Avengers that uh, is everything you wanted as a comic book fan as a kid. Mm-hmm. And that was so, so, so nice to see. Mm-hmm. Is it my favorite? Not even my top five. Not even close to my top mm-hmm. five. Am I glad I saw it? Absolutely. Am I glad I saw it when I did? Sort of. I didn't really need to see it in the theaters. Yeah. Um, I think it will age okay. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, you, you and I have been talking about Avatar recently. I think this will hold a much, much bigger place in people's hearts than Avatar, but not nearly as big of a place as like The Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. Um, there's even though it's a film, sort of not really, kind of about the end of the world. It's not, mm-hmm. and there's really no human emotion when it comes to that stuff, other than the first thirty minutes. This is this was my issue with it. Um, that the I. It wasn't that I, I, I figured that they would find a way, you know, to mm-hmm. reverse the damage mm-hmm. that had been done because that's a trope in, in comic books. It didn't, I mean, even the, the fact that somebody, some people actually do die yes. in, in this movie, there are some of the Avengers who die, um, it didn't feel as, uh, uh, for some reason, it didn't grip me, you know, like the, in, in the way that like a, a death can in a, in a, in a character who whom you're invested in, uh, yes, but it's Marvel. It's yeah. not DC. I mean, right. the whole point of Marvel is uh, this goes on forever. This is, I am not the first person at all to say this, but like the Zack Snyder DC universe is the Republican view of the world, and the Marvel Disney universe is the liberal liberal left view of the world. And we need a Tony Stark, Hillary Clinton, or we need a Batman, <laughs> Donald Trump, and those are the differences between the two. And of course, you're not going to feel the same when you watch both of those films, and Unfortunately, both are just doing uh, we're doing cosplay of politics where like 10 years ago, yes, The Dark Knight is sort of about the Iraq war, but it's not. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's just a really good film right. about one guy that's a maniac. And that's yeah. it. That's the premise. It's a crime film. No, it's, it's, it's about mental very, health. Yeah. It's about it's about un- not caring about people with mental health issues. And this is what happens. So uh, that's universal. No, that is. And, and I love the way that you also boiled down. The Avengers, yeah. that, that both Infinity War and and Endgame, and that was that it's a it's about an old man who wants a garden, and he's also a radical environmentalist. Yeah, this is <laughs> Thanos is uh, that's just he's every anarchist that I hung out with that was a gutter punk with all of the power. That's every gutter punk I've ever wanted that I've ever met. It's just someone that wants to hang out with their dog on the street, but if they can't afford a place, so they can't have a garden. If they could, they would destroy everyone that makes the world a bad place and hang out in their garden. That's the premise of Avengers Endgame. <laughs> and I'm not spoiling anything because that was in right. the first five minutes of the film. Right, right. And as an older person, the older I get, the more I appreciate Thanos. Like, I get it. <laughs> I really get it. He should have been a more attentive parent. There's a great there's a great uh, Reddit, subreddit, which is something that I don't often say. Uh, <laughs> Thanos did nothing wrong. 
Oh, no, 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 that's not right either. No. <laughs> he did lots wrong. But, I just like the gardening out, aspect. Yeah, well, they, they point out like a lot of the, uh, the, the, they even pointed this out in the movie. And again, this isn't a spoiler where, you know, uh, Captain America talks about like, yeah, I was driving into New York and there was a pod of whales because all the, you know, the cleaner waters. And that's the liberal universe of the Marvel <laughs> cinematic <laughs> universe. Yeah. One one thing that I was was struck by, and, and this is just a quirk of timing, uh, is that the I I recently watched the first season of The Leftovers, and and I thought like oh you know th- like it it seems like Endgame is basically The Leftovers but with like a much bigger budget, um, and but it, and one of the things that it, it struck me about The Leftovers too is just how. Just how disruptive something sudden like that can mm-hmm. happen, and and we're we're not talking about half the universe like disappearing as as it did in Avengers. We're talking about two percent of the world's population just vanishes one day, and it sends the planet into a tailspin, um, and 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 in a way that's much more like I mean they get into the bureaucratic aspect of it, which is not great television necessarily for everybody, but it's it's fascinating to me that that that's it. We're we're you know, looking into the same sort of issues. Something I've been thinking about is um, Avengers. This this started a decade ago, um, and if you like watch the first Iron Man, it's blatantly about Iraq mm-hmm. and Afghanistan. Would leftovers work in 2019, or is it like too depressing? Would Handmaid's Tale work if it started today? I mean, that, that was greenlit. That was being filmed right. in the summer of 2016. Mm-hmm. Would you want to watch these films? I have only watched the first like three episodes of Handmaid's Tale. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'm alone in this. I know it's great. What I saw was really good. That's a weird thing to say. Mm-hmm. But it's just not something comfortable. I don't want to right. watch post-apocalyptic anything right, right now. It's, like, I, it's my problem with zombie movies. So like, I, yeah, there, yeah, There's yeah. something about them that just really creeps me out and yeah. I just don't want to watch them. But, I, mean, I know I'm missing out on an entire genre. Um, but if you want to divorce from reality, Marvel's a really fun way because yeah. even though it's the end of the world, it's still like shiny and new and there's quippy stuff. It's not the DC sad universe. And it's the same <laughs> in the books as it is yeah. in the films. Yeah. Um, reading Civil War in the comic books was a much different experience than seeing Civil War in the theaters because in the comic books, it's... Uh, it's ten years ago, mm-hmm. and uh, the well, the the analogs aren't the same, and it's a little bit more fun. Yeah, <laughs> and um, it, Marvel's done a really great job of making something really inherently sad and depressing, like light and frivolous. They mm-hmm. they did a very smart thing uh, about a decade ago, maybe a little bit longer. They they started getting like comics, stand up comics, comedians to punch up these comic mm-hmm. books and to write yeah. them. There are a couple now. Uh, Savage Avengers, which just uh, debuted last week, is written by uh, Jerry Duggan, uh, a comic who's who uh, helped actually write part of the Deadpool, uh, uh, the new Deadpool stuff. And so they're getting really funny people to inject dark, dark humor into some of these things. It's they, great. They, they absolutely have. Um, uh, s- sort of an aside, and I apologize. Um, you, you were talking. This, about, this show is welcoming yeah, of the side. You were you were you were talking about like the big stories of Marvel. There's two others left. There's clearly Game of Thrones, which I won't touch upon. Um, and there's Star Wars finally wrapping. Mm-hmm. And if anything, uh, Endgame made me not excited for Star Wars, a film that I was very much looking forward to. Episode seven, I was like most people, I cried at that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I was looking forward to eight. I loved the trailer of nine, but then. Watching Endgame, I just I don't know how Star Wars is going to do a better job. 
And maybe it's not about doing a better job. It's just sort of wrapping things up. I mean, it, it, I, I am hoping that there actually is, with the new Star Wars movie, some finality. Because I think that, like, it, it could – we could use that. We okay. could use some closure. There's not going to be a tough So here's the here's – the, Well, I mean, I know the universe will keep going. Sure, but, like, sure, can sure, we just sure, get sure. past the Skywalkers? <laughs> well, that's the whole point. That's the whole point. But if we're doing the Skywalkers thing and you want to close the book, will there be a similar to Endgame – unspoken Natalie Portman scene finally tying up loose ends. Someone that you would probably never thought you'd see again in a Marvel movie, Natalie Portman, is in Endgame. It says zero words. Will she be in Episode Nine of Star Wars? There's a reason for her to be there. There's a really good reason for her to be there. A bigger reason than she should be in Endgame. Will Natalie Portman be in the two biggest films of all time and say no words? You know, by the way, we we talked about all the money that uh, Endgame has made. Uh, Zoe Saldana... Avatar is an avatar. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was in Infinity War. And she Star was Trek. in uh, Star Trek, mm-hmm. and then now she's in Endgame. So she is in th- three of the top five highest-grossing movies of all time. Let's take Star Trek out of that. Yeah, I'm taking Star Trek out of it. I just mean Infinity War, Endgame, and Avatar. Okay, yeah. what's the common thread for her in those movies? She's an alien. She has she has yeah. different she skin. has she's different green skin, skin yeah. because yeah. even yeah. in cinema. The American population has people has a prejudice against people with certain <laughs> pigment. What I'm trying to yeah, Fair. Um, I, I uh, yeah try to follow that uh, up. <laughs> Earlier today, um, when we were when Peter and I were riffing in the first part of the show, um, I uh, I was able to share with him, and I, I don't know, I'm not sure if you or, mm-hmm. or had tuned into this point um, on on your commute in. That I did something that a lot of people don't get to do, which is introduce somebody to Caddyshack. Oh, uh, so Fawn and I watched my wife. Um, we we watched uh, Caddyshack together. She had never seen it, and she was enthralled uh, with, with it. I mean, she she absolutely loved it. She had you know had almost no expectations going in because she had it. It wasn't playing in Provo, Utah. You know, when she was a kid. Uh, or wherever she was at, at that point, <laughs> and one of the I I'm I was struck again. I mean, it, it's it's been a few years since I saw it the last time. But one of the things that struck me was how much, how grounded in like just a very gritty like life. You know, th- this is. I mean, it, it's obviously satire. I mean, this is the National Lampoon. You know, that were all the writers. Doug Kenny was a producer. He has a small part in it too. Um, but there there. That is outside of independent cinema. That is not re- reflected, I think, in in modern you know studio show movies that you see like basically a kid, you know, probably um, you know not unlike some of Bill Murray's experiences. His brother Brian wrote was one of the screenwriters for Caddyshack. Uh, you know, coming out of this like you know just helter skelter kind of like existence with you know big big family um and and making a living i mean bill murray himself and his brothers all worked in golf courses uh it was very versed in this working class ethic um and sort of taking down you know like the the snobs the snobs versus the slobs is it and i just i you know that that movie talk about something that holds up well does it really i haven't I, seen it in a so, very long time i was a caddy and when i was a caddy there were two vhs tapes at the golf course it was <laughs> caddyshack and the nutty professor the eddie murphy version uh-huh. so i uh i saw bits and pieces of caddyshack maybe hundreds of times and mm-hmm. so therefore i always have a very negative thought 
uh, thought process when it comes to Caddyshack. <laughs> I appreciate Bill Murray. Uh, definitely, I have no desire ever to run into Chevy Chase. Mm-hmm. Um, clearly, neither does uh, Bill Murray. <laughs> I, I I really don't enjoy the little gimmicky. Uh, this is not the chipmunk. What is gopher. it? The, the gopher. The gopher stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it just reminds me of a dark, dark place in my world <laughs> when you were caddying. When I was a caddy, and um, it relates back in, to in Bill suburban Murray. Chicago, in suburban Chicago, where, where Murray and his brothers all were caddying. Too. Was not, it the same golf club? May, no, this he was in Wheaton. Okay, this was a little bit east of it. It was a little bit closer to the city. This is in Oakbrook, Illinois, home of McDonald's, former okay. home of McDonald's. Uh, there was one African American member at the golf club. This is 1996 to 1998. Do you want to guess who that was? Um, it's pretty obvious. Think of Bill Murray, golf, African American. Oh, was it? Was it Obama? Or? It was Michael Jordan. Michael I, Jordan. Okay, I was about to say Jordan. Yeah. Chicago, it was Michael yeah. Jordan. Uh, real progressive golf course. There, I'm not going to say the name of it because <laughs> I have a lot of money and I have no money. Uh, really shaped everything, uh, and that's why I relate more to the anarchists that want to mm-hmm. just garden and burn the world down like Thanos. <laughs> Than I do with Chevy Chase's character in Caddyshack. We have uh, just a little over a minute before we need to be out. The one thing I'm curious about is uh, Rodney Dangerfield's character in this. Yes. Uh, the sort of nouveau riche developer. He's one of the slobs. Yeah. He's one of the good guys in, yes. in, in the movie. Is he, he seems to be me like having some Trump-like qualities though as a builder uh, no, even though not he, at all. even though Ted Knight is the villain, no, you know, no, no, no he's way, because okay. we've settled it now, Peter. No, <laughs> Dangerfield, the whole pr- Dangerfield's entire like last twenty years is like I'm going to be incredibly high. I'm in so much pain. My life is actual pain, and everyone loved him. It's not Trump at all. <laughs> There's no, there's no, uh, yeah. Okay, that, no, that's good. That 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 uh, that clears it up because we were trying to go back and forth like that. There, you know, there's some sort of gauche qualities that people ascribe to the president too in Dangerfield's character. Yeah, but everyone loves Dangerfield. He's so fun. <laughs> Even when he was in so much pain, we loved him. Brandon, thank you so much for Thanks dropping for by, me. and uh, you can follow Brandon on Twitter at YMTE. Please uh, tune in to his podcast because I'll be on it. Yep. But tune into all of his podcasts. And thank you very much for joining us this Monday morning. I'll see you back tomorrow. This is The Bill Press Show.